from the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast. This is Ag Day. Dozens of dead animals and more than a thousand cattle in need of rescue. Here are the charges these two men are facing. What will be the priorities of this year's Farm Bill? We get an inside look. The current Farm Bill actually needs more resources. The U.S. soybean supply grows tighter as drought in Argentina continues to cut crop prospects. It's just like the beans, they really took a, you know, a butcher knife to it instead of a scalpel. Reaction to the latest numbers from USDA from the center of the grain world this week, Commodity Classic in Orlando, Florida, right now on Ag Day. Ag Day is brought to you by Trivolt. Trivolt is an exciting new premium corn herbicide from Bayer, and it's got some pretty amazing claims. Get consistent weed control for up to eight weeks in a variety of weather conditions. See for yourself at trivoltinaction.com. Good morning and welcome to this year's Commodity Classic in Orlando, Florida. I'm Clinton Griffiths. We're at the Orange County Convention Center where thousands of people will pass through over the next few days to see the latest technology on display as well as hear about farm policy and the latest information for grain farmers. It's been a must-attend event for many farmers since it started back in 1996. And kicking off this year's convention, grain farmers have new numbers to digest with USDA releasing its latest supply and demand report. We began with current stocks with USDA cutting exports for corn by 75 million bushels, raising ending stocks by the same amount to 1.34 billion, which was a little higher than the trade predicted. For soybeans, a different story with higher exports and lower crush cutting into ending stocks. That, if realized, would put them at the lowest level in seven years at 210 million. That was lower than the trade called for. Now for wheat, the numbers are unchanged. The bigger story in this month's report may be in the South American crop production numbers, with USDA making big cuts to corn and soybeans in Argentina. With parts of the country in drought, it made no changes to Brazil's crops, however. Now, it did cut another 7 million metric tons from Argentina's corn crop as well, with 8 million metric tons from its bean crop. Ag Day's Michelle Rook joining me here this week at Commodity Classic. And Michelle, USDA providing some fairly bullish numbers, especially on soybeans. That's right, um, Clinton. The agency was actually more aggressive in their cuts to Argentinian production than the trade was expecting, especially on soybeans, cutting that crop by nearly 20% from last month. Argentina's soybeans are now expected to fall 35% from USDA's original harvest predictions, which is more than 2009 or 2018. So the 2023 drought has been historic, but the question is, will the crop eventually drop below 30 million metric tons? I don't know if we're down below 30, Michelle. I mean, the one thing that we've known over the years when we start losing production, it is a little bit of a race to the bottom to see how low we the crop's going to get as it, you know, analysts try to kind of one-up each other. But there's a lot of people out of Argentina saying this crop was, you know, they've had seven, eight different heat spells. They had a frost on this crop and the damage is done there. USD was also rather aggressive to cuts on Argentina's corn production, which came as a surprise to the trade. Just like the beans, they really took a, you know, a butcher knife to it instead of a scalpel. That's dropped, I believe, the world production over 70 million metric tons year on year. So, you know, the world is in a little bit of a precarious position right now. McCormick says it's still early, but the losses in the Argentina crop make the global stocks to use ratio for corn relatively tight. This means Brazil's safrina corn and the U.S. corn crop are more important than ever. So if there are any crop problems this spring, he says farmers could see an increase in volatility in the corn market. 
All right, thanks, Michelle. Now, policy will be a key focus at this year's Commodity Classic and the future Farm Bill. And now we're getting a new look at what will be the roadmap on Capitol Hill for the House Ag Committee. Farm Journal Washington analyst Jen Wiesmeyer getting a look at the 2024 budget letter and key for farmers, it has an emphasis on production agriculture. Now the focus of the 2023 Farm Bill saying with the spike in the cost of goods, especially inputs, a strong Farm Bill is needed. The budget letter speaking to the importance of funding for the farm safety net, but says due to the ineffectiveness of the existing Farm Bill safety net programs, Congress has returned to the cycle of providing unbudgeted ad hoc assistance, both for weather and market related disasters. And the letter says that's not a fiscally responsible way to support producers. Ag industry leaders here at Commodity Classic stressing the need for more help for farmers. The first thing that the message that we have been delivering is that we need Congress to uh, have an adequately funded uh, on-time farm bill. And we say adequately funded because we recognize that the that there's the needs out there that the current farm bill actually needs more resources. We're actually working very hard with other uh, farm groups. We've been leading uh, an effort with other commodity and farm groups um, to the budget message to the budget committees, um, letting them know that that the agriculture committees are going to need more resources. Um, we're hopeful that they can get more resources, but we're also realistic. Um, that, you know, uh, it's going to be tough to try to get those additional resources. The budget letter also noting the importance of trade promotion programs, the conservation title of the farm bill and the need to find middle ground when it comes to the supplemental nutrition assistance program. The threat of heavy rain, flooding and more snow in the West are all very real possibilities. Meteorologist Chuck Heaver joins us with the very latest. Yeah, that is for sure. We have a lot of water coming in on the West Coast. Again, it seems to be the norm over in San Francisco. It is just going to get hammered with more of this rain. And then we have a storm pushing through the Midwest. You can see over in the Chicagoland area, Wisconsin, northern Indiana, that's going to slide through. And then a chance for some scattered showers down along the Gulf Coast. And that is not the end of it. There is still going to be more rain over the weekend over in California. Okay, so let's take a look at what's going on out west. Now, help is on the way to dig people out of their snowbound homes in California. The Orange County Fire Authority is sharing this video. Just look at the path they carved to get to the front door of this woman's home in San Bernardino. Wow, they say not only is it life-saving, but ah, smile-inducing. You can see she's clearly happy to have a path out of her home. That's not the end of the snow there. All the forecasts coming up though after the break. Grain farmers here also watching the situation in Ukraine where the UN Secretary General this week is working to keep the Black Sea grain deal going. Ukrainian President welcoming UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres to Kyiv. Ukrainian President saying they are interested in ensuring there is no hunger in the world and that the goal is to extend the grain initiative. The deal was struck last year between Ukraine and Russia to allow for the exporting of grain from both countries. Now it was negotiated and put in place by the UN and Turkey, but is due to run out next Saturday. You know, this March 19th date uh, that's coming up of whether or not they're going to be able to renew this agreement, 
Uh, we are already starting to see fluctuations in the market that are, again, responding to a geopolitical issue, not a supply and demand issue. We do still have the ability to feed the world. We have plenty of wheat in the world. It's whether it's really what it comes down to is how do we get the wheat to the countries that can afford it at their cost? So Since the deal went into effect, more than 23 million tons of ag product have been moved from the region, with 49% of that being corn and 28% being wheat. Pandemic era supply chain issues, catastrophic climate events and international conflicts are all culminating in higher food prices abroad and here at home. But as many Americans deal with those higher tabs at the grocery store, as Mike Valerio reports, millions of households are set to see additional food benefits expire. The war in Ukraine exacerbating global food insecurity. Last week, the Biden administration announced three new partnerships in an effort to boost Ukraine's agricultural sector and help supply the country's grain to the world. We've got to do two things at once. Get food to the hungry now, but also help countries build up their agricultural productivity and resilience. The conflict directly hitting supplies of critical foodstuffs like wheat, corn and sunflower oil while also impacting global agricultural production. Here's the thing that will affect the United States. 25% of the world's export of nitrogen-based fertilizer comes from Russia, Ukraine. And we don't have a viable substitute for that yet. Here at home, many Americans feeling the effects, and for some, it could get worse. We're preparing for an increased demand uh, for food. The rising cost of food is now set to collide with an end to COVID-era food assistance policy that increased SNAP benefits. It's almost a twofold effect. The benefit levels going down and people are, are already struggling with high food prices. An estimated 16 million households receiving SNAP benefits will see them decrease by at least $95 a month beginning this month. But as food banks prepare to provide increased assistance to those in need, there is hope that a strong jobs market and improving wages will soften the blow. In Los Angeles, I'm Mike Valerio. And it looks like growing crops like grain farmers here are doing is on the rise. USDA's Economic Research Service providing this chart. It says between 1948 and 2019, the volume of crops produced in the U.S. grew by 186%, while livestock grew 140%. Of the crops produced, the production of oil crops grew the most by more than seven times. Food grains grew the least at 78%. Now among the main livestock categories, poultry and egg production increased the most by more than seven times. Still ahead, our coverage continues from this year's Commodity Classic in Orlando, Florida, as Michelle Rook discusses today's report and the market reaction. And later, farm drones. You have to see why one youngster is no longer a fan in the country. The rally in corn didn't last long after the release of the latest supply and demand report, but beans, they made some nice gains. Michelle Rook is back with more analysis from here at Commodity Classic. Well, grain said in mix after the WASDE report. Matt Bennett with agmarket.net joining us with market analysis here from Commodity Classic. So we had a fairly bullish report for soybeans, but yet soybeans only ended up a little bit higher on the old crop, actually lower on new crop. Why? 
it's interesting. You know, after the numbers were released, it actually uh, raced up. You know, we saw really good gains on beans. It's very interesting to see USDA caught 8 million metric tons out of Argentina right. down to 33. That's unprecedented for them. They're usually very slow and very laggard in, in their adjustments. We know uh, you've seen private estimates all the way down to 25. You know, uh, is 33 going to be enough? I guess you've got to assume if they were that aggressive, it's going to go even a little bit more. But traders were unimpressed, and I don't know what it is they were looking for, but U.S. carry also dropped. I don't know that you could find anything real bearish in this report. No, but we can't get or stay above resistance areas like yeah. 1540 up in that area on maybe. Yeah, it, it certainly looks like some of the ags uh, funds have maybe lost a little bit of interest in buying them. Now, is that going to be the case if you continue to drop this Argentine crop? You know, is Brazil going to have what the USDA said? There was no adjustments there, although they're having a hard time getting all the beans harvested. At the same time, they're having a hard time getting Safrina planted. And so uh, you've got to assume there could be a chance for some revisions there as well. But I'm still sticking to my old crop on corn. Looks like it's going to be pretty darn tight. New crop could be a totally different ballgame. USDA was fairly aggressive cutting Argentina corn production by 7 million metric tons as well. But because we got the increase in U.S. ending stocks, that was what weighed on the market? Or right, what? which is a very interesting dynamic. You cut Argentina by 7 million tons, and then, oh, by the way, we're going to have less exports for corn for the U.S. The thing is, is that you're probably not going to be able to count on much for exports out of Argentina, especially not what we originally thought. So those two things in tandem didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But regardless, I think exports down where they're at, probably too low for now. All right. Thanks for joining us. That is Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. We'll have more Ag Day coming up. To contact Matt Bennett at Ag Market, call 844-4-AG-MARKET or visit their website at www.agmarket.net. Ag Day is brought to you by Lamar's Toy Store, the largest and most diversified farm toy store in the U.S. They have new and old and do restorations and customizations too. You need to see it to believe it. Visit Lamar'sToyStore.com or call us at 712-546-4305. All right, let's go in the upper levels of the atmosphere, the jet stream, and find out what's going on over the next five or so days. Out to the west, you can see this trough, and that's going to dip a lot of precipitation on the coast. Yes, it's more rain and more heavy snows in the mountains of the Sierra Nevada. And then that energy over on the east here is going to bring a little storm through the Chicagoland area, and they're going to pile up maybe three to six inches of snow in that area. Further to the north, higher amounts of snow. And then on Sunday and Monday, another little dip here could bring some precipitation through the Midwest as well. But you can see the ridge out to the west and then more mild conditions throughout most of the country on the eastern half especially. Here's the radar, future radar. You can see this storm coming together, bringing some snow and rain again through Chicago, over in northern Indiana, and then pushing through Michigan. And then this storm out to the west, out near San Francisco, all the way down to Los Angeles, going to get a lot of rain, a lot of precipitation coming in there. Here's the precipitation forecast for the week. You can see that piling up in the center part of the country here with these storms that are passing through and then off on the west coast again in terms of precipitation. Look at those heavy red areas. Three, six inches of rain. That's definitely not out of the question and up in the upper higher mountain areas you're going to see a lot of snow. Here's down to the southeast as well with that frontal boundary pushing through and here's the snowfall estimates. You can see right along that line there in the Chicagoland area. Three, six inches not out of the question and then up to the north with the migration of that storm across 
the country. Okay, precipitation estimates out on the coast just to highlight that heavy rain, three to six inches right along the coast and heavy snow, one to four feet of snow in areas where they are already dealing with a lot. Temperatures today, you can see a lot warmer down to the south. Texas still remains hot. Tonight, things cool off for most of the country. A nice cool evening and then on there you go. The next day we've got 36 degrees in Chicago still remains warm down in Florida. Now here we go. Closer look at home. East Enterprise, Indiana 53, 39, mostly sunny. Longwood all the way down in the corner, North Carolina 53 and 44 and St. Francis, Kansas 50 degrees low 21 with sunshine. Experts say we're seeing a record early start to allergy season. They say pollen is hitting the southern and eastern U.S. earlier this year than ever before. Waves of the yellow green dust are flooding the air, while in Atlanta, the pollen count climbed to the extremely high range on Monday, the earliest it has done so in 30 years of record keeping. And it comes after an exceptionally warm February in the south and east. Still ahead, after dozens of animals are found dead in a rural part of Nebraska, investigators take action. Why these two men are now in custody next. Get in the game and be part of the 2023 Bracket Busters Challenge presented by Case IH. It's Farmer versus Farmer for a chance to win the $1,000 top prize. Go to agweb.com to fill out your bracket once teams are selected on Sunday, March 12th. The Supreme Court has handed another loss to cattle group RCAF USA. The high court earlier this week rejecting a petition from that group. Now RCAF arguing the USDA improperly created an advisory committee that supported the use of electronic ear tags for adult cattle shipped across state lines. The Supreme Court turning down the petition without comment. Now you'll remember last year the court denied a petition by RCAF for consideration of its legal challenge to the beef checkoff program, which effectively ended the case that had started six years prior. 1,000 head of cattle were seized from land in Lincoln County, Nebraska. Now, the Sheriff's Department says over the last several weeks, deputies investigated possible cases of abuse of livestock at several different areas of the county. They got a search warrant to inspect five sections of property under the control and operated by Larry and Matthew Michalowicz. They say they found over 150 dead cattle on that property and saw several sick and dying cattle, including bulls, cows and calves. They have since arrested 75 year old Larry McLoick and his son, 41 year old Matthew on 150 counts of animal cruelty. Investigators returned to seize all the cattle on properties under the control of the two, which resulted in more than 1000 bulls, cows and calves being transported. They reported several other cattle had to be put down on scene. Coming up, a new tool on the farm that can be fun to operate, but not for everyone, as you'll see coming up. Ag Day is sponsored by Germinator Closing Wheels. Germinator Steel Closing Wheels, perfected in conventional, excels in no-till. Order 12 to 16 rows today and qualify for free shipping or 20% off an end zone moisture management package. In the Country on Ag Day is brought to you by Pivot Bio. What if you had the nitrogen you need already on seed? Pivot Bio is the first company to apply nitrogen on seed. The nitrogen you need, now on seed from Pivot Bio. Learn more at pivotbio.com. 
Drones on the farm, they're becoming more and more popular as farmers find all kinds of uses for them out in the field. Now some are on display here at Commodity Classic and we've talked about a lot of them in Farm Journal Magazine and here on Ag Day, but you can count one young farmer as not a fan. Dan Keenan of Merrill, Michigan, who calls himself Spartan Farmer on Twitter, snapping this photo. He says, whenever any of the farm magazines out there do a pros and cons of drone ownership, he says his daughter Breslin has a con for you. As you can see, that drone is clearly caught up in her hair. Little brother there looking on doesn't seem too concerned though. They did manage to get it untangled from her hair and yes, she's okay. Now she says there was a little knot that they had to cut off, but the propellers pulled right off. Just maybe her pride was hurt a little bit as well. And that's all the time we have this morning. We'll have more from Commodity Classic tomorrow morning right here on Ag Day. From all of us here, I'm Clinton Griffiths. Have a great day out in farm country.